Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Hello and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's get right into it. Welcome to my mind mare. Evercon is over. It was great. I'm already looking forward to 2018. If you're listening and you were part of Evercon, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Come back next year. If you're listening and you were not part of Evercon, well, we hope to see you in 2018. I could be mean there and say bad things about you, but I, I that's not the way I operate. So we hope to see you next year. Um... The other thing on my mind right now, and it's very freshly on my mind, is I just went to the funeral of my aunt this morning. Um, And it made me realize that my aunts and uncles, these these young adults that I remember as a child, are now, you know, getting older. um, And that my cousins are getting older. And that I haven't really kept in touch with any of them in in this portion of the family. And... Like I hoped I would have as a child, but um, so this year I'm going to make it my goal to spend more time with with my family and and my cousins and my aunts and uncles, um, because losing someone can definitely make you realize how important family is. So anyway, with that said, we'll get off the downer here. Hopefully, um, I'd like to introduce you to my guest tonight. I have Vanessa Teeman. She is my second teenager in as many weeks. Um, I have known your parents for a long time, um, and from what I have seen of Vanessa as she's grown up, she's a very outspoken individual. Yes. Um, but let's go ahead and let her tell us about herself. Uh, well, I go to uh, Was West. I'm a junior there. Um, I'm involved in a lot of uh, political stuff. I This March, I got to go to a Bernie Sanders um, rally, which I was very excited about. I participated in our school – our uh, state uh, level kind of thing where we got to do a youth government and we got to uh, explore the different parties and things like that. Um, and I also took government this last semester. So, All right. So where would you put yourself on the political spectrum? Um, very liberal, if not socialist, a little bit. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So um, we'll get back to you in a second here. I do a segment I now call Today in History. As you all know, it is um, I get all my information from history.com slash this day in history. So for January 20th, 1973, country star Jerry Lee Lewis rocks the Grand Ole Opry. Years after he was known as the killer, a rock pioneer who released such rock standards as Great Balls of Fire and Breathless, Jerry Lee Lewis made a name for himself in a very different musical genre, country. And on this day in 1973, he capped off his road to country stardom with an appearance at the famed Grand Old Opry. Like his contemporary, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis grew up in a place where the musical traditions of the poor and white overlapped and intermixed with those of poor and black, just south of the Delta heartland that gave birth to the blues. 
Jerry's hometown of Faraday, Louisiana, also sat in the heart of territory critical to the development of country music. The sounds emanating from the churches, dance halls, juke joints, and radios of Faraday were precisely those that would coalesce into rock and roll, black gospel, white gospel, boogie woogie, delta blues, rhythm and blues, and western swing. The line separating country from rock and roll was particularly blurry during Jerry Lee's rise to fame. When songs like Great Balls of Fire and A Whole Lot of Shaking Going On rose higher on the country charts all the way to number one than they did on the pop charts. The line was much clearer by the late 1960s when Jerry Lee Lewis, long since shunned by the pop establishment over his controversial second marriage, reclaimed part of his musical roots by staging a hugely successful comeback behind country hits like Another Place, Another Time and the brilliantly titled what made Milwaukee famous made a loser out of me. The comeback reached a high point with his invitation to the Grand Ole Opry, where, on this day in 1973, Jerry Lee put the full complexity of his musical background and colorful personality on display. I am a rockin', I'm a rockin' rollin' country and western rhythm and blues singin' expletive. <laughs> Lewis declared from country music's greatest stage before launching into a rousing set that included all of the late 50s rock and roll classics he'd promised Opry officials not to play. So there we go. That's our Today in History. Um, I never knew Jerry Lee Lewis was a country singer. Um, I, I knew he did the uh, the rock and roll stuff and you know stood on his, on his piano and did stuff like that, but I never knew he was in the country, so that was kind of interesting for me. But let's get back to our guest here. So... What are we talking about today? Uh, Donald Trump and ties to Russia. Donald Trump and his ties to Russia. This will be very interesting. Now, as a lot of you know, I am not a huge Donald Trump fan. Um, I was also not a very big um, Hillary fan. Um, I was. I w went more to the libertarian side of things. Um, so where do you want to start? I will, maybe with the recent stuff, I actually printed off a bunch of articles about this. Okay. That um, his uh, his, his team won't agree with him on his ties with Russia. Is a place to start. Okay. Um, pretty much his team doesn't share the same viewpoints as him. He kind of, he, he is very outspoken saying that he is not part of, or he doesn't have any ties that... He's with Russia. Yeah, with Russia, yeah. Right. Um, but his team is kind of not really saying anything. Well, when I listen to Donald Trump talk about Russia, the first thing I realize is he doesn't want to make them mad. I mean, he, he jumps around topics and he jumps around things, and it's almost like he's waiting to see how Russia's going to respond to him before he makes up his mind on how he's going to respond to Russia. That said, with a with a guy like him who's done so much business throughout the world, the fact that he has absolutely no ties to Russia doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. But what did you find in your research as far as um, – so let's go back to his, his team here. Um, what are they saying that contradicts with what, what he says? Um, well – uh, specifically, uh, Paul Ryan had took a tough line. Or it says Paul Ryan took a tough line on Russia, saying that the U uh, United States must step up our game and adopt a stronger Russia uh, engagement policy. Um, and 
Trump really doesn't want to do anything with Russia. He keeps saying that we need to increase our or like better our um, ties with Russia, but everyone else is really not on the same page as him with that. But well, and, and I think yeah. a lot of that has to do with both Syria and uh, when they invaded their own territory, basically um, a year and a half ago or whatever, uh, Crimea. So, um, you know, we sat by and watched those things happen. Um, in, in Syria, it sounds like the Syrian government and the Russian government have gotten together just to be a bunch of bullies. Um, you know, and they, they say it's in the name of, you know, ending terrorism, but it, it sounds like it's a lot more than that. So, um, what else you got? Um, I have some stuff. Well, on kind of a different note, the law firm that represents Trump uh, won a, a award in Russia last year. Okay. Um, which would obviously be some sort of Russian tie, but unless he, if he's not aware of it, I'm not entirely sure. It doesn't yeah, that one would be kind speech. of circumstantial, I yeah. guess. But, um, you know, Donald Trump does not strike me as a not intelligent person. He strikes me as knowing what's going on around him. And I mean, to have the, the size of a, of a, you know, a Trump world that he has, he's got to know what's going on. So, I mean, yeah, that could be circumstantial, but then again, it could be very much something he knows about. Um, and, and I think I've heard somewhere that even Putin has said that him and Donald Trump know each other, that they, I don't know if he went so far to say he's their friends, but they know each other and, and that kind of stuff. So for him to say that, oh, I don't know anybody, um, it, it all seems very <clears throat> scripted and, and planned out to me. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. As someone who is the president-elect, I think he should probably be more uh, presidential with this whole thing. He just keeps, like, whatever allegations are made, he doesn't make a nice statement about it. He just shoots down whoever it is. And I know right. he's been, I, he denied a question from a CNN reporter at his press conference. That was, yeah, and I haven't had a chance to listen to that. Did you listen to the press I conference? I listened to parts of it, not all of it, though. I know he, uh, he uh, yeah, was telling CNN that they weren't real news. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is kind of funny. I mean, coming from a world where CNN has always been news. You know, it's not like they were once this TV station that's now a news station. It's um, So for him to say stuff like that, you know, it's like – he reminds me a lot of a little kid who's trying not to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's uh... – I don't know, for him to be calling out CNN, which a lot of people see, especially, like, I've always grown up seeing CNN as being a really fair news network. Like, I know stuff like Fox News especially, because that's a really, really big one for being, for having some sort of political bias. Mm -hmm. But it's always, I can't really point out whenever, when CNN's been, like, biased against someone. I mean, they're just presenting... Right, they present facts. It makes him look bad, and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that is he makes himself look bad as well. I mean, the guy, there, there's nothing presidential about him. Yeah. Um, and I get, I get how he won. I get how he appealed to a certain demographic of people. Um, but there's nothing about him. When you look at him and you think of, of former presidents, 
um, even though I wasn't a big fan of Barack Obama, he was presidential and has been throughout his entire presidency. And I mean, here in a few days, um, he's going to give up the White House and Trump's going to move in. And, you know, through the whole thing, it's been I, I've heard stories where Barack's like, you know, no, we're not going to do anything to you know disrupt the transfer of power because this is how this co this country works. And I can't see the same stories coming out in four years or eight years when Trump's done being president, where they're gonna, you know, you're gonna hear about things. I'm sure that he does little vindictive things that, because um, that's just how he strikes me. Yeah, um, I think I said this to my uh, in my government class that it's gonna be very interesting over the next four years seeing how checks and balances are being used. Because we're going to learn a lot about how those actually go into effect, I think, because they're going to have to be used at some point. But, like, it's just, I think, I understand, like, I understand what, where you're coming from with the, um, like, why everyone kind of, or why people get behind him, because uh, they think he's saying what they want to hear. But I don't think he has, I don't really see that he has any firm political standings, it seems like. He doesn't, and, and I would agree with you on that. But he's... He is the king of the soundbite, and 70% of the people out there get their news from soundbites. Um, in a world where news is 24-7, all you got to do is look for it. Um, if it's not on TV, it's on the internet, it's wherever you want to find it, and it doesn't matter which place you look, almost every place you go for news has a bias of one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, there are very few, like you said, CNN always struck me as being kind of unbiased as well. They just kind of put the news out there and it, it is what it is. Um, but you know, um, Fox news definitely leans, you know, to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, the, right? yeah. the conservative yeah. side. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, there's other ones out there, but a place I like to go for news is actually NPR. Mm -hmm. Now, though NPR itself is kind of a liberal standing organization when they do their news and when they they do discussions on their station they bring both sides and both sides are represented which i really like so um but anyway his ties to russia um i've been hearing a lot here and there but i haven't really been plugged in the last week which is where this is really kind of ramped up um now obviously he's saying he has no ties to russia but the the media and um, things like that are saying that he does. But um, what are you finding in your research that says absolutely – or is there anything that says he's absolutely got this tie and this tie or this tie to Russia? It's not, I haven't really found anything that's been like specifically on the head or anything. I've seen stuff about how there is proof that they have – that the Russians have been influencing – like uh, the election, especially with uh, the political parties, but um, it's just, it seems like his denial of it is kind of, it, although it's not exactly what the, be the best proof, but he has a, like, he has said that he hasn't done a lot of stuff that we have on camera, like when he uh, recently said that he never mocked a disabled reporter, which we have video of, right? Yeah, like that, just. I don't it doesn't seem like you can trust him on any of it. No, I would agree. He uh he is very I don't know if two-faced is the word I want to use, but he's very um, you know, shake your hand shake your hand with one hand and pick your pocket with the other kind of mentality. 
Um, I don't know. He's he's not the guy I voted for. Yeah. Um, I know you're still too young to vote, but yeah. I'm sure he's not the guy you would have voted no. for. Um, but you know, now we're at the point where he's going to be our president. There's not much that can be done about that. I mean, short of you know being impeached and removed from office and all that. But even if that were to happen, it would take months. And he would still be president for a while. And if that were to happen, we'd be it'd be replaced by Mike Pence, which, as far as I'm concerned, might even be worse. Yeah, it's not a good trade off. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so when, and we don't necessarily have to talk just totally about his ties to Russia. Mm. What is it about? Is there is there any redeeming qualities you find about Donald Trump? Is there anything that strikes you as, you know, this might not be so bad. The only thing I can really think of was the whole, he doesn't want to repeal Obamacare because he said that throughout his campaign, but now, like, the Republicans are acting on it, and he's not really saying anything, so that was, like, maybe the one good thing, but... I don't. I don't see that being a good thing really anymore. <laughs> right. The 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 thing about repealing Ob- Obamacare or the ACA is if they repeal it and they have nothing to replace it, that's that's just going to be horrible. That's going to be a horrible thing for a lot of people um, who don't have insurance through their employers or don't have insurance because of you know whatever reason. Uh, if they can, if they can show us that they can do it better, I don't think you need to repeal Obamacare. I think what needs to happen is Obamacare needs to be overhauled, because in theory it's a great idea. Um, in use in the last four years or so, it hasn't been all that great, and a lot of people are choosing to just pay the fine at the end of the year because uh, it's a lot cheaper than than carrying the ACA. It's a lot cheaper especially for young people who don't have medical issues to just go to the doctor when they need to and pay that bill out of their pocket. So, um, you know, I, I hear things he said and he has been looking more presidential up until his, (laughs) until his, uh, his, uh, uh, what do you call it? He just had here his, uh, news conference. Yeah. Uh, where he went right back to his just mouthing off, saying things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, towards the end, right before the election, he had turned they they had his handlers had turned him almost into like a true presidential candidate. I mean, he had started saying things, he had started talking like a politician, and I mean that was a lot. Of, what a lot of people liked about him is he's not a politician. You know, he doesn't talk like a politician. He doesn't. He's never been a politician. And now he is. <laughs> exactly. Now he is. I mean, there's there's no denying it now. I mean, but um, you know, I always say, let's see. I hope he surprises me. I hope he's not as bad as I think he's going to be. But um, what are the things about him that you really don't like? His well the. Him being really non-presidential is kind of a big red flag for me, but he also, like I said before, he doesn't really have any firm political like leanings. He made a lot of promises during his campaign, and now he's saying that he's not going to do them, and especially with the wall thing, he said that we weren't going to, and now they're saying they are going to build it, and that Congress is going to fund it, and then he said that that never happened, and that Mexico is still going to pay for it, and I'm 
very confused about that, but it he just doesn't have anything that stays the same, really, other than he keeps saying his, like, the slogan, Make America Great Again, but he doesn't say how he's going to do that. He just keeps right repeating it without... And even during his, even during his time as a presidential candidate, it was, I've got this plan, and when they ask him what his plan is, he's like, it's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and I'm like, I I get that for a while, that you can say, you know, we're working on this plan, it's something that's coming together, but we don't want to talk about it yet, but you're now, you know, um, well, in fact, uh, the day this drops is the day that he will be inaugurated on the 20th. Of January. So, you know, you are now the president. Maybe we should know what those plans are. Yeah. I I feel like people should have, uh, like, a voter should have been a little more, uh, I don't really know the word for it, but. Informed? Informed, yeah. Just kind of think about stuff more so than just hearing something that the candidate says and taking that as total truth. I mean, like, even. Like, at the Bernie Sanders rally, I was going through and thinking of, oh, that, well, how would that affect this and this and this? And I was trying to make, trying to actively think about it. But it seems like a lot of people who voted for him didn't actively think it through. And, like, I know, um, uh, not to call out my grandma, but she, uh, like, firmly went, uh, a few months ago, he, uh, she totally, uh, spoke against Trump and said that she would never vote for him and, talked about how bad he was and then voted for him in the election because she didn't want to vote for Clinton. And it just, uh, I'm not, I don't know. It just seems like people aren't, people don't follow through, I think, is another thing, too. It's just they, they go with whatever is the most popular and kind of go off of that. Right. Now, in in your, let me ask you this question. Obviously, you're not a fan of Donald Trump. Nope. Uh, you were a Sanders guy. <laughs> What did you – I mean, as far as I'm concerned, neither of the main parties gave us a good candidate. You know, Donald Trump, a horrible candidate. As far as I'm concerned, Hillary Clinton, horrible candidate. What are your thoughts on that? I think um, if I had been able to vote, I definitely would have voted for Clinton because I know based on the two main parties, one of them was probably going to win. Uh, but it just – Trump just seems so much worse to me. It's like Clinton at least acts presidential and has – firm standings but he just doesn't like we don't know anything about what he could do as a president it's just he kept he kept saying stuff over and over but had no backing or anything and it seems like clinton has enough ties in washington to get stuff done versus (coughs) i mean trump does but like all of his cabinet picks recently too have been like non-politicians or just wealthy individuals that have no political expertise kind of thing like his secretary of state is no political stuff he's the ceo of a gas company yeah (laughs) and one that has ties to russia yeah (laughs) (laughs) who openly has ties to russia yeah it it doesn't look very good (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i look at donald trump and i look at the fact that you know seven years ago six years ago whatever it was he was a democrat he gave money to the Clintons. He gave money to, you know, whoever was running for president at the time. And then all of a sudden he makes this, you know, 90-degree turn, and now he's a Republican. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was it, eight years ago he came out and said, oh, I'm going to run for president, did it for a little bit, and then he kind of faded away. And then he came back 
for this this runaround, and he's like, I'm gonna run for president, and we all kind of went, okay, yeah, he's gonna be here for a while, but he's never gonna stick. Yeah. And yet he just kept going and somehow sticking. And and the funny thing is, is of all the candidates, he spent the least amount of money on on becoming the president. Yeah. Um, because of his ties, as far as you know, people with money, people that know what's going on, and all he had to do was call a press conference, and everybody was there. Mm-hmm. So he didn't need to do commercials. And um, I don't know. It almost seems like sometimes it feels like we were tricked into this. Into this president. Yeah. It's... I, I think he's just trying to... I, I don't know. I think he was not focused on being president. I think he was focused on getting into the spotlight and trying to, like, seem like a respectable figure, but he's just not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, uh, when we went on our uh, middle school trip to uh, New York, we were walking past the Trump Tower, and someone said, oh, you know he's running for president soon, right? And we all laughed about it. Being 14-year-olds, we thought that he wouldn't um, have any standing whatsoever, and that didn't go very well, I guess. But, like, even as kids, we realized that he wasn't a good guy. Like, it just astounds me that so many people voted for him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I mean, we can we I guess we can put our hats on the fact that he didn't win the popular vote, but unfortunately, it's not the popular vote that that elects the president. But um, I guess the way I look at it is, I mean, he he went through all the he went through everything he had to go through. He you know got nominated by the Republican Party, which I thought is where it was going to end. When even though when he was the presumptive candidate, there were so many people from the Republican Party saying, no, this can't happen, this can't happen. But yet, a lot like your grandma, <laughs> when it came to that time, everybody cast their vote, and Donald Trump was the candidate. You know, they could have went with, there was a few other choices they could have went with. And it wouldn't have been the first time that the presumptive candidate was not put in as the candidate for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, he definitely does not strike me as presidential. I mean, when I think of presidential, I think of guys like Ronald Reagan. I think of guys like Barack Obama. Uh, you know, guys who just, they kind of exude that that leadership thing, and he just really doesn't have it, in my in, in my opinion. It's, I, I've occasionally I've kind of thought of looking at history books from this era, like in the future, and it's just, I can't put him next to any of the presidents. It's just, I I don't know, it seems like we've totally destroyed almost, like, a, just an essential part of our country. Just, we took it for granted, I think. Yeah, and, and you might be right. It's just, you know, it's, they thought this was going to be the biggest turnout in history for, for voting, and it was one of the lowest. Yeah, people were too scared to vote, I think, is what it came down to. I don't think anybody, I, I don't know if it was scared or if it was just the fact that they're like, you know, how do you how do you choose between dog shit and horse shit? <laughs> it's, you just, there's no good choice. And I think that's what happened, and, and I think just more Republicans just vote because you're supposed to vote. Um, you know, it, the, the Democrats rely a lot on, on the young vote and they always have, that's, it's not a new thing. Um, and you know, Bernie had the big backing and then when Bernie didn't get the nomination, it was a lot of people that just jumped ship and just said, I'm not voting just in general 
because if Bernie's not in there, why should I vote for Hillary, you know, kind of thing. And they had a lot of issues with Bernie supporters at Hillary rallies and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think I think what happened here, in, in my estimation, is the Republicans held it together where the Democrats were fighting against their own candidate, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though not everybody on the Republican Party might have liked the idea of Donald Trump as president, they stuck with their, you know, they stuck with their candidate. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went against Hillary, the FBI investigation, um, the reopening of the FBI investigation, the uh, being shut down twice before, you know, it was just a lot of stuff that drug her into the spotlight that didn't look good. Mm. You know, even though nothing came of these things, everybody just remembers that, oh, she was investigated by the FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess, um, what's your stance on Trump not uh, releasing his, uh, his tax returns? That seems really fishy to me. I mean, other people have done it, and it just, with all of his problems with, um, uh, oh crap, what was the quote, um, that uh, his um, organization not using the money for the intended purpose and instead using it to, was it buy a portrait of him? From, yeah, something like uh, that, yeah. It was $20,000, I think it was, and being that he had got, received a painting out of it, it didn't count as a charitable donation, even though the money was going towards another charity. But it, if he were really giving a hundred percent, as he claimed, of his money from, through the charity to what it's supposed to go to, then he should have no problems releasing his tax returns. And I think that's the biggest problem: is he's lying about it. I I, I would tend to agree with you, and, it, and it's kind of funny. There there's no rule that says they have to release their tax returns. But first, his excuse was, "Well, I'm in the audit, so as soon as the audit's done." I'll release my tax returns. And then it was, as soon as Hillary Clinton admits to something, I'll release my tax returns. And then it's just like, I'm not releasing my tax returns. You know, after he was elected, he's like, eh, I'm just not doing it. I think he said most recently that he does uh, that no one cares if he releases his tax returns. But there are a lot of people who still care about it. And he just, I think he's just trying to play it off because he wants to get away with it. Yeah, I, you know, I think just like, most rich people, he's he uses a lot of loopholes, which are put there, you know, by other rich people, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and and he more that he all but admitted to that in, at one uh, in one of the debates. But it was just like, if you're as upstanding a citizen as you say you are, it should be no problem, you know. And even if he does release his tax returns and they find something in them, he's gonna blame it on somebody else anyway. Um, you know, there was a president said the buck stops here. And I think, uh, him as president is going to be the buck stops somewhere else. I got somebody else I can blame. So, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, um, I don't know what else, what else about Donald Trump irritates you? Ah, everything. (laughs) He just, all of his denials and stuff like that, just, he's not transparent. I don't think he's tries to put on like a like like this facade that he's such a great guy but with everyone saying that he isn't and the like evidence that he isn't that's I if he were really a presidential person he would say that he would he would tackle these things head on and not keep denying them he would 
like own up to stuff or he would say stuff nicely. He instead he bashes politicians and like reporters by name and it's just that that's one of the things that really bothers me. Like and also all of the political stuff he said during his campaign, none of it was none of it seemed okay. It was all anti-immigrant or they're bad we're better than them because they just suck i like yeah some of the stuff he said about mexicans coming across the border now i'm a big advocate for if you want to be an immigrant to the united states i have no problem with that i don't care where you come from do it the right way and i get that but these people that are already here it would destroy the economy of america to just send everybody away Mm mm-hmm that being said, what incentive would – and this is the thing that's bothered me since he said, we're going to build a wall and the Mexicans are going to pay for it, is what incentive does Mexico have to pay for it? They, I think it would keep the Americans out, but <laughs> I don't – Well, and that's I the other thing is, you know, if you are an illegal immigrant into Mexico, you get to spend five years in a Mexican prison and then you get sent back to wherever you came from. There's no questions about it. If they catch you and you're in the legal, that's what they do to you, which, you know, fine. That's their law, whatever. Um, But I think we've got to figure out a way, and I'm not for a wall through Mexico, you know, between Mexico and the United States, but we do have to find a way to better regulate these things, to better make, you know, um, to better make – People that want to come here, able to come here, but to do it the right way. I think we could, I don't know, I don't think the wall would be very efficient, uh, effective at all because things like planes exist. And exactly. Or even boats, like you can use the use a boat to get to California. It's like, I don't know, it just seems like it's useless. Like It would be a waste of a lot of money. And that's why I said I'm not really a fan of the wall itself, but we just got to figure out a way to regulate immigration better than the way we do. Um, I was looking at the immigration rules into Canada. Do you know you have to go there, declare that you want to become a Canadian? You have to live there for seven years, prove that you're a a uh, uh, an active member of society and that you're not freeloading off the government or anything like that. And then you can become a citizen. But you have to live there for seven years and and you know to become a to become a citizen. It's not easy to become a Canadian citizen if you weren't born there. Um and I think that's and I think that's a, a way in a lot of in a lot of countries throughout the world. And America's always been accepting. I mean that's what the whole Statue of Liberty thing's about. The whole Ellis Island thing was about. But I think we just need to revamp the way we do things maybe not make it so easy to become a citizen but you know still have that availability there what are what are your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on revamping how you become a citizen honestly i think we should probably make it i mean for people who who are immigrating to the u.s they're not doing it I don't think they're really doing it just to be freeloaders. I think they're they are trying to escape something that's bad about whatever country they're coming from. So I think that they, that should be tweaked a little bit. That they could get a little bit of an expedited process to be immigrate uh, to become um, citizens. But I think be, being a country that was built on immigrants, I don't think we should be like turning away the immigrants that like 
don't look like us. It it just it seems totally wrong. It I mean, like I said, we were a country built on immigrants. Like pretty much everyone that lives here is the descendant of an immigrant. It, it like Donald Trump is. He can't. I don't think he should be saying all this anti-immigrant stuff. Being a white guy living in living in North America. That seems totally wrong to me. And married to an immigrant. <laughs> You know, and that's what's always kind of struck me about it, too, is he's talking about all these immigrants, and it's like, you're married to one. Yeah. You know, um, you were you were married to one before, too, so I don't know how many times he's been married, but he's, uh, it's always been, you know, or I think it was always immigrants. I don't think he's ever been married to, you know, uh, an American. And though, yes, his wife is an American citizen now, but she went through the process, you know. So, um, let's see, what else can we say? Um, well, tell me a little bit, let, let's, let's diverge here a little bit. So tell me what about Bernie really interest you or made you, you know, be a, be a, what they call you, what do they call you? Burners? <laughs> I, I don't remember. <laughs> but a lot of his stuff was like uh, prison reform, um, healthcare reform, uh, lower college tuition. It is just is all stuff that seemed necessary. And it, uh, it was just all kind of more equal in that we could all be the same kind of thing, but we could all be at least at the same level of livability. But I don't. He just seemed a lot more genuine in his stuff. Is I think one of the reasons that I was really drawn to him. A lot of, and all of his supporters, too, were, the ones I met, at least, were all very, very kind people, and, and I can't really say much about the people who, um, like, actively interrupted stuff, but... Well, you're gonna have those fringe outfits, yeah. no matter who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like some of the stuff that Bernie was saying, too, um, you know, and, and... I really liked his idea of revamping the college system. That might have something to do with the fact that I've got two girls that'll be in college in the next two years, two three years. You know, I uh, I I did like some of the stuff he said about um, healthcare reform, things like that. Um, but there were some things that, you know, I just couldn't get behind. Um, you know, he called himself a socialist democrat, um, but. Uh, the, the problem with me for, for socialism in general, and this is just a little tantrum I have whenever I talk about socialism, is socialism looks good on paper. It looks great on paper. Everybody everybody pitches in, everybody gets the same. But in reality, we're, we're humans, and nobody wants to live that way. There's always going to be people that want more than the guy next to them, and that's just human nature. So that's why... When we've when socialism has been tried throughout the world, it re- doesn't really work. Over time, it breaks down. You know. One of the things that I kind of like about socialism is it isn't on the same level of communism that everyone is the same. Period. But like socialism was, it kind of holds everyone up at a higher level, and then you can expand off of that. Is kind of how I always saw it. Mm-hmm. But it it leaves room for. It leaves room for uh, growth and stuff, but it also makes everyone able to live, I think, is part of the reason I really uh, follow it. But, okay. Like, um, I know people have, 
One of the things I heard when I, I told someone that I went to go see Bernie Sanders was, oh, he's a socialist, like, like the, uh, like the Soviets were, and I had to stop her, and I'm like, that, no, they were communists, and that wasn't even what that was supposed to be. That was a totally skewed version of that too. But uh, he, I don't know, the socialist thing just kind of seems right to me that everyone should be seen as a human. Well, I once had a I once had a uh, history teacher that made the statement that if you're under thirty and a Republican, you have no heart. If you're over thirty and a Democrat, how did he say it? If you're over thirty and a Democrat, you haven't lived in the real world or something like that. So basically, he was like, if you're over thirty and not a college professor and a Democrat, you're doing it wrong. So you know, I don't know if I I don't know if I believe that so much but that was kind of one of the things he was talking about you know when we got in one of our discussions in class but i'm like i i don't i guess i don't separate the 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 two parties by one's got a heart and one doesn't you know a lot of people do that they say oh the democrats you know they're they're bleeding liberal bleeding heart liberals you know you hear that phrase um bantered around quite a bit and, and, you know, the Republicans are just wealthy guys who want more money. And, you know, if you take a surface look at both of them, that might be true. But then I look at it and I go, show me a Democrat who's a politician at a national level who's poor. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the same on both sides. And, and I, like I said, when, when Barack was president. Now, I voted for Obama the first time around. Mm. Because I was sick of what the Republicans had been doing for the last 12 years or whatever they were in power. And it was just getting a little ridiculous. And George W. was just – he was a moron <laughs> who ran the you know the tax rate way up and he ran the debt way up. And, yes, he had to deal with wars and things like that. And there were certain amounts of debt that you know he had to deal with. But – and then Barack came along and, and I liked the way he talked and I liked the things he did and I liked the things he said. And then he got in there and, um, you know, over the four years, I kind of got disillusioned from the Democrats. So when 2008 came along, I voted for um, Mitt Romney and uh, Barack won again. And now by the end of Barack's uh, presidency, as I'm watching what's coming in, I'm like, four more years? (laughs) I have heard before um, uh, someone... I don't remember who it was, but someone said, oh, why would you why would you have voted for Clinton? And I said, it, they were like, it would be like four more years of Obama. And I said, yeah, <laughs> because what? he was not one of our worst presidents. He was a better president, and people didn't really seem to think that. I can't really think of anything he did to affect anyone negatively in the U.S. That, I mean, a lot of people were just saying stuff about Obamacare and how that was going to steal their tax money or whatever, but... There's a lot of people who don't support wars that have to pay for those. Exactly. The US, so. there, there's people out there that don't have kids that pay taxes that go to schools. It, it, it's all the same thing. I mean, being a part of a country, you pay for what the country does, not necessarily for what you do. Mm. Like if I had grown up and had no kids, guess what? When I pay my taxes, I'm still paying something to the schools. Mm. And honestly, I want teachers in the schools. I want kids learning things, um, you know. Uh, but so yeah, what was I, where was I going with that? 
Sometimes I get sidetracked on my own sidetracks. Mm. What was I saying? I am totally lost right now. Why don't you Why don't you pick a topic? Let's go. Okay. Um, I I think voters should be more community minded versus what would I mean? There are some cases where yes, I can see the or where something would be best for themselves, like the LGBT community voting for people who are pro LGBT like rights. But I think people just need to kind of look at a look at everything broadly and see what would help everyone versus what would help themselves like like a lot of the stuff with Trump was oh, he's going to fix he's going to fix what like my problems but is he going to fix everyone's problems is I, I don't know yeah of, I get what you're saying but can you can you honestly say that you expect any president to fix all the problems no i mean there's everyone's going to have something that they don't agree with with the president but i think we should have gone with the president that would have been a little broader with what they could have fixed yeah and 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 i agree with you um if i had if i had decided to vote you know main party i probably would have voted for hillary hmm. just because i didn't want him in, in in the office but i actually went the libertarian way hmm. voted for um gary johnson uh, because I liked where he stood on a lot of things. I mean, there was even things with him I didn't agree with. He was for the total legalization of drugs. Mm. And I said, what? <laughs> you know, I get that they want to legalize marijuana. Marijuana is a recreational drug that doesn't do any more damage to the body than the cigarettes and the booze mm. they already let us have. If not less. If not yeah. less. Um, you know, and, and so... Am I an advocate for, for marijuana use? No, absolutely not. But can I see that and, and be like, okay, I get that, and I don't care? Yes. I mean, the fact that it's used uh, you know, medicinally and stuff like that for people that need it. You know what? If, if somebody in my family needed it, even though it's illegal in this state, I would find a way to get it hmm. because they need it for a medicinal purpose. So you have anything else? Um, I can't really think of anything. All right. Well, I, I want to thank you. I'm going to uh, jump into the next section then, and then we will uh, go on from there. So next week, um, my buddy Al returns, Al Seeger. He's going to be on the show for the fourth or fifth time. I would have to look back to know exactly for sure. Um, he's going to come back. I have no idea what he wants to talk about. Every time I kind of bring it up, he just chuckles a little bit. So we'll see what that's all about. Um and then, um, you know, mailbag still empty. Send me an email, guys. I like emails. I like to open them up and see what you want, see what you want to hear, what you want. If you want to be on the show, you can email me as well. All the uh, email info will be in the uh, the write-up on this. So when you're listening to it, just check the write-up. The email is in there. Uh, now, the last segment I do is called Quote of the Day. And in the past, I made the guest try to guess who said it. I'm not going to do that. I've decided that's something that uh, I'm going to get. I'm, I'm going to go away from. I'm just going to do the quote of the day, and who it's by, and then we'll wrap up the show. So, today's quote: If we go back to the moon, we're guaranteed second, maybe third place, because we are spending all that money. Russia has its eye on Mars. Landing people on the moon will be terribly consuming of resources we don't have. It sounds great. Let's go back. This time we're going to stay. I don't know why you'd want to stay on the moon. That was said by uh, Edwin Buzz Aldrin, uh, who was the second man on the moon. 
who actually turns 87, 87 on January 20th, uh, 2017. So the day this drops. So happy birthday, sir. And thank you all for listening.